0: What we are dealing with today, ladies, are what I call last-day moms. I believe you are that era. You are that generation. And the Bible describes that era in 2 Timothy 3. It says, In the last days, perilous times shall come, for men should be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy. We are living in perilous times, but that doesn't mean we give up. Moms and dads, don't give up. You rise to the occasion because God has chosen you to raise children at this time in history. Think about that. You're alive at this time, here in the 21st century, and you have the responsibility now of raising children in the last days.
1: The Bible says that the gospel of Christ is the power of God unto salvation. Welcome to Pulpit Power, featuring Pastor Tony Skeving, Senior Pastor of Fargo Baptist Church in Fargo, North Dakota. Today's message was previously preached before a church audience. And now, here's Pastor Skeving.
0: Well, let's take our Bibles and turn to 2 Timothy in the first chapter, 2 Timothy chapter 1. We're going to be talking today about moms. You know, moms say some of the craziest things, don't they? Heard of one mother, she saw her kid climbing a tree and she said, kid, get down from that tree and and if you fall and break your leg, don't come running to me. Amen? Uh, Think about that one for a little bit. Or that's as bad as the mother who said, have you seen the dirt on the back of your neck to her kid? Some kind of contortion to do that. Or the mother who said, shut up and eat your food. Or maybe, uh, You were the mother who said, If I've told you once, I've told you a million times, don't exaggerate. Or maybe the mother who taught your son to pray by saying, You better pray that that stain comes out of that carpet. (laughs) Or you taught your kid perseverance by saying, You're going to sit there until those peas are finished. These are expressions mothers use. Some mothers get philosophical and they say, Well, I brought you into this world. I can take you out of this world. And I'm sure some of you moms have felt that way before. Well, we are gonna be talking today about what I call last day moms, last day moms. And here in 2 Timothy chapter one, we begin in verse number one. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, according to the promise of life which is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my dearly beloved son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God whom I serve from my forefathers with pure conscience that without ceasing, I have remembrance of thee in my prayers night and day, greatly desiring to see thee, being mindful of thy tears, that I may be filled with joy. When I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and in thy mother Eunice, and I am persuaded that in thee also. We're going to be talking about a very special mom who lived at a tough time I believe today we have some very special mothers living at a very tough time. As we talk about last day moms, let's ask the Lord to bless, shall we? Father, we come before thee at this hour, and we thank you so much for bringing it about. Lord, we pray that you'd bless our time in your word here today. We pray that it would be helpful. And Father, we pray that most of all, it would lift up Christ our Savior, for we ask it now in his precious name, amen. Over in the north part of London, there's a a cemetery with really old graves in it. One of the graves belongs to Susanna Wesley, and some of you would recognize that name. Susanna Wesley gave birth to 19 children, if you can imagine that, in the 1700s. Ten of them survived, and uh, she had for those children... What she called 16 rules, I don't have time to get into them, but they were somewhat rigid, and we would look at them today and go, wow, that's pretty uh, by the book. But her children grew up to love the Lord and to follow the Lord, John being the most well-known. John, by the way, survived, barely survived a house fire when he was a toddler. The neighbor actually rescued John Wesley from that fire. And his mother, Susanna, said, I know that God has spared him for something special. But she taught all of her children at home And she spent six hours a day teaching ten children. Her whole life revolved around her ten children. And those kids rippled out in their effect. They went into the ministry. And afterwards interviewed some of them. And and, and they said, wasn't your mother strict? And they said, very strict. But none of them resented her. None of them resented the strictness. All of them absolutely loved her. Well, Susanna Wesley was a mother at a time that was very vastly different than the day and age in which we're living in today. What we are dealing with today, ladies, are what I call last day moms. I believe you are that era. You are that generation. And the Bible describes that era in 2 Timothy 3. It says, In the last days, perilous times shall come, for men should be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient, to parents, unthankful, unholy. This is a day and age that is characterized by rebellion, unfortunately. In many cases, disobedience to parents. It's a different day and age. It's even different than when I grew up. You know, kids today are different. They have their nose in a device all the time, something electronic. When, when I was a kid, I worked after school, or we drove around looking to get a ball game together, but we didn't get in trouble Uh, with the internet or with electronic gadgets or internet pornography it wasn't available there were no smartphones at that time and we were not perfect and it wasn't a perfect day and age but it was a whole lot more wholesome day and age we live in a society today That is continually going downhill. And I I don't know if you watch old reruns of Little House on the Prairie, but Ma Ingalls would die today if she came back. She'd have a heart attack if she could see what had come of society. And I think we're all familiar with the second law of thermodynamics that states that things left to themselves go downhill. And certainly that's morally. And we live in a day and age of humanism. In fact, you read the Bible and that's going to be a last day of nature, if you will. Humanism. And we we have gone from godly Abraham up to what we have today. Because there comes a time in every civilization where they collapse morally. You know that Rome was never conquered. Rome just collapsed from within. And it's the same for Israel. Israel just collapsed from within. And here's what it was like then. Jeremiah 6... God says to them, were they ashamed when they had committed abomination? Nay, they were not at all ashamed. Neither could they blush. Therefore they shall fall among them that fall, saith the Lord. You know, when a a civilization gets to the place where nothing's sacred anymore, and no, no longer people can blush or be ashamed, that is the end. And that is the day and age in which we're living in as a nation. Is our nation marked for judgment? Well, that remains to be seen, but the result is that I don't think there's ever been a harder time to raise kids, quite honestly. And my hat is off to you ladies who are raising kids right now with all that electronic stuff because we didn't grow up with that. We grew up with a baseball bat in the uh, handle of our, our bikes and a glove over the handle. You remember that? Driving around looking for a baseball game. We watched combat. We lived in a time when men were men. We lived in a time when women were women. And if a boy went into a girl's bathroom, he was in big trouble. It was a different time. But there's been such a a brainwashing and impressionable kids are buying into this stuff. And there are some little boys being taught in kindergarten now that they may not really be a boy. It's like, wait, what? But it goes on. We have lost our minds as a civilization. My hat goes off to one governor who's taken on a media giant and backed him down because this stuff is crazy. In fact, now mothers, you are no longer a mother, but you're a birthing body. Have you heard that one now? They're changing everything here. Folks, we have a mess, and it's getting messier. And the Bible said it would. The word is perilous. We are living in perilous times, but that doesn't mean we give up. Moms and dads, don't give up. You rise to the occasion because God has chosen you to raise children at this time in history. Think about that. You're alive at this time, not at the time of Susanna Wesley, but here in the 21st century, and you have the responsibility now of raising children in the last days. Now, motherhood is wonderful. It's irreplaceable in our society. And honestly, in past civilizations, Mothers, no less, have made the difference in the rise and the fall of a nation. You know that back in 1941, 1942, our nation was threatened by three dictators named Hitler and Mussolini and and Hirohito. And we dipped down into our high schools, folks. We dipped down into our sandlots. We dipped down into our backyards and into our soda shops. And we plucked up these young men and we put them to war against Hitler's army that was goose-stepping across Europe. And they won. It was an amazing thing. They rose to the occasion. You know, my dad was raised by a single mom, and, and he tried to catch the tail end of the war. He lied about his age to get in. He was only 17. A lot of guys did that back then. And uh, the war ended about the time he was inducted. But we were a different nation then. That is my point. And moms had a huge part of it. You know, my mom had a huge part in my upbringing. I know that. And she was tireless. I mean, she had to be with nine kids. She was just always working. She had a lot of wise sayings. She had a lot of humorous things she said, a lot of personality. But she had impeccable character. She did. I never, ever heard my mother swear. We went to church every single Sunday. She saw to it. And she did not drink. The closest I saw, basically, she would have every Sunday morning, her tradition, a half a glass of wine, the other half was seven up, and ice cubes, and she would sip it there and and that's the closest she came to alcohol. She had high morals. She was old school. Mom was the doctor of the family, mom was the bill payer of the family, mom was the rent collector for the apartments. Um, My mother collected green stamps. How many of your mothers collected green stamps? And you remember collecting those green stamps, Never, never did know how they worked. But my mother cooked a ton of meals, and I mean literally a ton of meals. And she washed a ton of clothes. And I never saw her feel sorry for herself. In fact, she never focused on herself. My mom was a farm girl and she grew up working. Mom was loyal to dad. She called him the boss. She'd say, you gotta go to the boss on that one, or ask the boss, we knew what that meant. And today, her and the boss are buried side by side in twin graves about 75 miles north of here to the very end. But the the very word mom gives me the warm fuzzies, folks. I don't know about you, but motherhood is a very special thing. But honestly, these are different days to be a mother than when I was raised. These are the last days. But God has appointed you as a mother to raise children at this time. In the end times, there's going to be a generation of mothers who are going to have to raise kids against all odds. And so, today I want to introduce you to such a mom who raised a godly child. He's found in the Bible against all odds. And even the day and age in which this mother raised that boy, it was an ungodly time. Because heathenism pervaded. I mean, the Roman morals at the time of Timothy being raised by Eunice were the pits. There were the, the bathhouses. Those are legendary. There was Nero. He was a nut. And, and there was also Greek culture. They walked around naked. I mean, anything went. There was all kinds of perversion that was rampant. And they were the intellectuals. And they had abandoned any knowledge of God Almighty And forsaken him. And now they had a number of gods. And it was in the midst of this mess. That there's a Christian mother. By the name of Eunice. Who resisted all that crud. And said I'm going to raise my son. To the glory of God. And you say well how'd she do it? Because it was a rough time then as well. Society was the pit, And it was a pagan world. And promiscuity was rampant on every front. And it was universally accepted. Violence was the norm. I'm telling you, it was an ungodly day. And to make things even tougher, this woman, Eunice, had an unsaved husband. In fact, we read this over in Acts 16. Then came Paul to Derbe and Lystra. And behold, a certain disciple was there named Timotheus the son of a certain woman, which was a Jewess, and believed, but his father was a Greek. And that's a biblical way of saying an unbeliever or a Gentile or, or not a, a born-again Christian. And so here's Eunice, and she's married to this unsaved guy, and she raises this son to honor God. In fact, two books of the Bible are named after this Timothy. We're in one right, right here. They bear his name, and imagine if you had a book of the Bible named after you—that would be very special. But here's Timothy was greatly respected at the time. We believe he was a pastor. We believe uh, he was an evangelist. Uh, we know he was a problem solver. More about that later. We know he's wise. We know he's anointed. And we know he's a standout to the Apostle Paul. There's something very special about this young man. And Paul the Apostle nonetheless saw great potential in him and invested a lot of time in this very Timothy. He became his right-hand man. There was a church at the time of Paul there in Corinth. I've been to the ruins of it. And it had all kinds of problems. I mean, they were suing each other in a court of law. There was incest going on in that church. There was a competition that was carnal. And Paul sent somebody over there to help straighten out the problems. Guess who? In 1 Corinthians 16, Paul said, Now, if Timotheus come, see that he may be with you without fear, for he worketh the work of the Lord As I also do. And so we find out the same Timothy goes to Corinth. He also goes over to Ephesus. There were some issues there as well. Timothy was a guy who could get it done. And we find the name Timothy mentioned 28 times in the Bible, no less. And so Paul used him often. In fact, uh, Paul gets into Athens. It's just... Heathen central, and Paul even looks around at what's going on there. It's just turbo paganism, and it's like he kind of pushes the panic button because it's just industrial strength, and we read this in Acts chapter 17, and they that conducted Paul brought him unto Athens, and receiving a commandment unto Silas and Timotheus, for to come to him with all speed, they departed. Basically, it was like, get Timothy down here, because it was a wicked place, and then we find issues up in Macedonia in Acts 19. And the Bible says, so he sent unto Macedonia two of them that ministered unto him, Timotheus and Erastus, but he himself stayed in Asia for a season. And then Paul starts writing his epistles. And, and up to that time, Timotheus has been like a, a, young, a young man in, in Bible college, basically a, a person he's mentoring along. But now Paul starts to consider him a contemporary and a team member and a partner with Paul. And he opens this epistle to the Philippians with Paul and Timotheus, the servants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Christ Jesus, which are at Philippi with the bishops and deacons. And so we find here Timothy get mentioned more and more. And finally, he gets this this epistle named after him in the eternal word of God. And Paul opens it with unto Timothy, mine own son in the faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God, uh, our Father, and Jesus Christ, our Lord. And then Timothy gets a second epistle named after him. 2 Timothy 1, to Timothy, my dearly beloved son, grace, mercy, and peace, and so on. And so we find out how significant this young man Timothy is. Timothy eventually winds up in jail. And in Philemon 1, Paul writes, a prisoner of Jesus Christ and Timothy, our brother, unto Philemon, our dearly beloved and fellow laborer. So he's even incarcerated for the faith, and he eventually gets out. And we read this in Hebrews 13. Paul says, Know ye that our brother Timothy is set at liberty, with whom if he comes shortly, I will see you. 28 times we find him mentioned in the Bible. And this is just a little smattering of him. But he was a special young man. And he stuck with Paul to the bitter end because he was stable in his faith. He was stabilized when others weren't. He was a very, very unique young man. But... Where did he get such character? That's our question. I think it's somehow connected to his mother. Look again in verse 5 here of our text. Paul speaks of, he says, when I call to remembrance the unfeigned, that means genuine faith, that is in thee which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and in thy mother Eunice, and I am persuaded that in thee also. Now here Paul also mentions his grandma, another mother, But really, the credit for raising Timothy goes to Eunice. She raised a godly son at a very ungodly time. And the question is, how do we as parents and grandparents do this? How do we get it done? Eunice got it done. Now, we don't know a whole lot about her, obviously. But the little we do know about her, we can hold up and help us to understand what made Timothy turn out. Really, we we look at the fruit of her mothering. We look at Timothy himself. You know, Jesus said this, wherefore by their fruits you shall know them. In other words, what they produce. And here, Eunice, her offspring that she produced was amazing. The proof is in the pudding. Timothy was outstanding. You know, we have some kids in this church that I call them kids. They're probably in their 20s. But I know their parents. And I, I think of the Wilson boys, if I could compliment you for just a moment. I wasn't there when they were raised. But I see the finished product. And I say, okay, by their fruits you shall know them. Well, when it comes to Eunice, you can pretty much figure out how Timothy was raised by the way he turned out. Eunice had a heathen husband, and yet Timothy turned out. So what kind of a woman was Eunice? That's our question. And so we're going to glean some things about this woman, but more than that, Moms and dads, I want us to put these things to practice, all right? The goal is to raise some God-fearing kids in these last days. And so what can we as parents, what can we as grandparents learn from this? And maybe you're not a parent here today. Maybe you're not a parent listening somewhere in the area of the world. But you can glean some things from this because you're a person, no doubt, of influence to other people. What can you learn? Please listen very carefully. How can we put stability into our kids, how can we help them to be effective like Timothy was? How can we be somewhat like Eunice? And what was Eunice like? Well, first of all, I believe that she was a devoted encourager. She was a devoted encourager. I think that Eunice had a great attitude, and I believe that she also was an upbeat person, and I believe that she was a person of hope, no less, and the reason for that is because of the name she gave this boy. Listen very carefully. In our society, names don't mean a whole lot. You know, my name, I don't know what it means. It's probably an Italian name. It's not a biblical name. I know that. We don't have Bible names that much here out west, if you will. But in the Middle East culture, names were a big deal. And the name Timothy or Timotheus, really, it's, it's a Greek form, It kind of brings his dad into the picture. He might have had some say in that. But no doubt it was Eunice who said, no, we want to name him Timothy. Because you know what Timothy means? It means one who honors God. Now here's this Greek husband. Here's this Gentile. And and here's this woman. And she said, I'm having a baby. And I want to name him Timothy. One who honors God. This would be a lifelong reminder of of what kind of a boy she wanted him to be. Mom gave him that name. I don't believe it was his pagan dad, but I believe it was mom who gave him that spiritual upbringing. And it really gives us a glimpse into the attitude of this woman. This woman by the name of Eunice. She was a hopeful woman. She had a pagan husband. How did she wind up marrying a pagan husband? Have you ever wondered that? I have. I mean, she had a godly mother, apparently, because Paul mentions Lois here. And so she's got this godly mother herself, but she has a, a pagan husband. I don't know how that happened. I can only speculate. Maybe try and connect a few dots for us here. How'd she wind up marrying this unsaved guy? Well, I don't know, but maybe she sowed her wild oats. Maybe she had a time as a teen girl where she went out in the world, she made a mess, and uh, maybe uh, married a pagan, maybe ended up pregnant by him. We don't know what happened. Maybe it was a wake-up call. And maybe for her, it's what brought her around. She got right. Maybe that's how she got saved. I don't know. But she made a determination, regardless, that she would try to maybe atone for what she had done. Grateful now for her salvation, kind of like uh, Mary Magdalene over there in the Gospels. Remember what Christ said about her? Wherefore I say unto thee, her sins which are many are forgiven, for she loved much. But to whom little is forgiven... The same loveth living. And that's a principle. Hey, people make mistakes, don't they? I think we all have made mistakes. Maybe you're one of them. And and we can get right. And we can atone. And we can even have more zeal. And we can finish strong. And maybe that's Eunice here. Maybe she will finish further ahead than than that ungrateful Christian who doesn't realize how much they've been forgiven. So regardless, Eunice now has a baby boy by a Greek pagan husband. And she said, I'm going to name him Timotheus, one that honors God. You talk about hope. Folks, do you have hope? Parents, do you have hope? Grandparents, do you have hope? Can we be people of hope? Can we stop being so pessimistic and say, you know, we have a great God, and I'm a child of His, and I have hope. It doesn't do any good not to have hope. It doesn't do any good to be pessimistic. You say, well, I'm not going to be some starry-eyed dreamer I am, I am. It's called faith. I like where it gets Christian people. God help us to practice some faith. The devil hates it. The devil attacks it, but that's OK. I'll keep hoping. and if I die hoping, I've still died in hope. Thank God for that. That's not a bad thing. And I have hope for my kids. And I have hope for my grandkids. Stop being a gloomy, gus pessimist. You're a Christian. Be a person of hope. Eunice named him Timotheus, one that will honor God. Well, wait a minute. You got a pagan husband. How's this thing going to turn out? She said, I have hope. It's going to turn out well. And Timothy grew grew up to live out his name. Have hope for your kids. Do you have hope for your kids here today? That they'll ultimately serve God? That they will ultimately honor God? You say, but they're not living for God right now. Well, the story isn't over yet. Keep hoping. You know what I read? Train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. You said, I did. I did train up a child in the way he should go. I'll read the whole verse. When he is old, he shall not depart from it. Meaning, he's not going to be able to get away from it. She's not going to be able to get away from it. They will not be able to depart from it. Keep claiming the whole verse in hope. And Eunice may have taken a detour herself. We don't know. A number have. But we know later she returned to God. And She had this boy, and she named him one who will honor God. She believed he would. Don't stop believing that your kids are going to honor God. They can make a difference in this world just like Timothy did. We're living in the last days. It's a pagan society. I know all that. And it's totally heathen. It's totally humanistic. Kids are being told they evolved from apes and that they have no real significance, we find teen suicide on the rise, and it's startling. And we find kids nowadays that are outcast because they're not talented, they're not pretty, they're not popular, they're not skinny enough, they don't have good enough clothes, and kids grow up with that. They're not athletic, they're, they're not muscular, they're not smart enough, they're not educated enough, their shoes aren't cool. Whatever it is, they're never enough. And it's tough to be a kid these days. It really is. At my age, I don't give a rip about that stuff, honestly. But they do. That's a big deal to them. And kids feel like they can never meet up to the standard. And there's a lot of pressure on kids to be something today. Peer pressure and pressure from society. And the result is a lot of insecurity. Kids are a bowl of worms. And they're walking around insecure because they feel like they're never enough. They feel like they've never arrived. And and if ever kids need to hear some words of encouragement in, in this time and, and, and now it's these last days. And they ought to hear it from mom and dad. Can I challenge our parents to give some encouraging words to your kids? And and home ought to be a safe haven. A place where they can come when they've been beat up from the world and they can come back to the safe haven. It's a happy place. It's a place where they're accepted. It's a place where they're loved. You know, as a kid. I went out into the cold, cruel world daily and there were days I came home beat up and and my mother could tell. And she would say, what's wrong, honey? She called me honey. She called all the kids honey. I am thankful for that encouragement. My mother was a mother of hope. I seldom saw her down and I never saw her give up and I never saw her walking under a cloud and she helped to instill that hope in her children. I didn't get the name Timmy or Timotheus, my brother did, as it were. I got this Italian name. But, but Eunice was married to a pagan. And her and her son together were going to serve God. And I believe there was this little team in that family. I believe there was this support, if you will. You know, it reminds me of this verse in Ecclesiastes. Two are better than one. For if they fall, the one will lift up his fellow. And I think that went on between Eunice and Timotheus. Could you be that kind of parent to your kids? Their peers are not going to lift them up. Their peers are just as insecure as they are. This verse speaks, I believe, of the role of mom and dad. And if that child fall, there's that encouragement there. That one who comes alongside of that child, who picks them up and dusts them off and reinforces them and tells them to press on and and encourages them that this thing is going to work out. And lets them know you've been down that road too. And uh, God's still on their side and pulling for them and loves them. And I think that that every time Timotheus heard his name, I believe that he thought about the fact he's one that to honor God. Eunice had a strategy. When she named the boy, she had a dream. The vision of a mother's heart. And she was determined that this boy was going to grow up to honor God in spite of her unsaved husband. She doubled her efforts. And Timothy turned out. She was hopeful, and it worked out. We see, first of all, Eunice was a devoted encourager. Secondly, we see her as a diligent educator. She was a teacher. You say, how do you know that? Well, Paul said this to Timothy in 2 Timothy 3. He said, but continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. Now, how many times have you read that verse and said, well, Paul's talking about himself. And he's saying, Timothy, be sure you continue in those things that, that I have taught you. Is Paul talking about himself here? No, I don't believe he is. Because the next verse goes on and says, and that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise in salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. Paul was not around when Timothy was a child. And so when he says, Continue in those things which thou hast learned, going back to his childhood, he's talking about his mother. Not his dad, not his pagan Greek dad, but his Christian mommy, if you will. And you see that word child in that verse behind me? It's the Greek word brevos. You know what it means? Infant. In other words, starting as a young infant, a toddler, because never forget this youth is God's best time for the heart. Starting young, instilling in them those things. Who did that in Timothy's case? It was his mom, not his dad. Mom was his teacher. There was no Christian school at that time. There was no church even at that time in Lystra. And it certainly wasn't dad. There was no public schools. Timothy learned about Jehovah God from his mother. And apparently, according to Acts 14, when Paul brought the gospel to uh, Lystra and Derby. There were these three living there, Eunice and her mother and little Timothy, and they get saved. But Timothy was not totally new to the Scriptures. He knew them already, according to that verse we looked at a moment ago. He, he was not new to the things of God. The stage was set for his salvation because Ma took time to teach him those biblical principles and taught him the Scriptures. And may I say, if you're a mom, if you're a dad, if you're a grandpa, if you're a grandma... Please teach your kids the Bible. Please teach your kids Bible stories, bedtime stories of Moses and Elijah and David and and, and Samson and and my grandkids go to bed, as far as I know, uh, learning those things and teach them the doctrine of the scriptures. And by the way, let them hear you pray with them And, and let them know you do pray for them. They need to hear about Jesus from you first. You know, here at Fargo Baptist Church, we're glad to help, but we are no substitute for mom and dad. I'll just say that flat out. We're no substitute for the home. The greatest need is their spirituality. And sometimes Christian parents forget that. Their greatest need is not to make the JV football team. Their greatest need is is not to be some academic uh, giant or to, to be a musical genius. Those all pale a comparison, and yet I see Christian parents putting the emphasis on those things. No, the emphasis needs to be on their spirituality. Do they love God? Do they love God? You know, they should be more concerned about the eternal than the temporal. You know what this world is described as? The fashion of this world, it says, is gonna pass away. All the stuff that kids clamor after and go after, that's all gonna pass away. Kids need to be taught that. The Bible says, and the world passeth away in the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth Forever, Do something that's going to abide forever. Instill the things of God in them. The things of God are are much bigger than Hollywood. They're much bigger than the NFL or American Idol. We need to care about the spiritual lives of our kids and talk about God with them. Eunice did that. There's an old familiar verse back in Deuteronomy that we just have to look at. It says, and thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, and thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. You know that word diligently in that passage means proactively? Thou shalt teach them on purpose. In other words, take opportunities to teach them these things as you're walking with them. Because folks, we live in a world of distortion. We live in a world of lies and deception and fake news and agendas and bias and anti-God humanistic godlessness. And kids need the truth today. We have truth decay going on. And I think the reason so many kids are committing suicide or attempting suicide is because they feel so hopeless. And so the verse talks of them Uh, Learning these truths as you walk by the way, as you tuck them in at night. It doesn't even say, you know, at church or from the pastor, but it talks about the parent with the child, teaching those things to the child diligently. Are we diligent about this? I believe Eunice was diligent. And so when Paul arrives there in Lystra, Timothy already has a strong foundation. He's a standout and he impresses Paul. And Paul recognizes that potential. And Paul becomes more than just an apprentice or an understudy. He becomes a team player with Paul because of his high caliber. And I don't know of another young man in the New Testament that was used more of God than Timothy. He's mentioned more than most of the apostles. Who instilled that character in Timothy? Well, it wasn't Paul, and it wasn't his preacher, and it wasn't his church. It was his mother, It was Eunice. The credit goes at the feet of mom because she was persistent and she did what was right and she didn't just teach and say these truths but she lived them in front of Timothy because she was a devoted encourager, she was a diligent educator and finally, she was a dynamic example. She did more than speak this. She lived this because what we live, folks, is far more important than what we say. In fact, if we say one thing and we don't live it, we've done more damage. It had been better off if we hadn't said anything. Because Junior or Junioretta see you uh, being carnal or living differently outside the four walls of this church and they think you're a hypocrite. You know, the best way for us kids not to grow up with an anger problem is not to be angry in front of them. The best way for our kids not to grow up with a pride problem is to not be prideful in front of them. The best way for our kids to be faithful in church attendance is for us to be faithful in church attendance. The best way for our kids to end up giving to the work of the Lord is for us to give to the work of the Lord. Somebody says to me, I I want my uh, daughter to honor her husband. Then, ma'am, you you better be modeling that before your daughter. Because what we say is what they're going to hear, but what we do is what they're going to actually follow. What they're going to do. You say, well, I don't want my kid to turn out that way. Then, then change. You're going to have to change so they don't. You know, as a kid growing up, I never heard my mother speak disrespectfully to my dad. She was never a snippy or snotty or rude in any way. Eunice had an unsaved husband. And apparently, Timothy, young Timothy saw her behavior before her unsaved husband. And that was huge. Model it in front of your kids. Model love in your home in front of your kids. You know, my dad was awesome, and maybe more about him on Father's Day, but my mother was tender-hearted and really the heart of our home. Eunice even had an unsaved husband that she honored, I believe, and Timothy saw that because kids follow what we live and what we do more than what we say I remember a commercial from years ago. I think it was back in the 70s. And there's this dad on the old black and white TV that we had... And he's talking about the harmfulness of cigarettes and, and how you shouldn't smoke them and how he's been t- uh, preaching to his kids to leave them alone, telling his sons, don't do that, don't pick up that habit. And, and then towards the end of the commercial, he picks up a cigarette as he's talking. Yeah, I've told them, and he takes a puff, and I've told them, he said, but they've taken up smoking. And of course the point is driven home. Duh, kids are going to do what we do. They are watching us. And here's little Timothy And he's watching his mom. And we find out in verse 5 of our text here that she had an unfeigned faith. Now, we don't use the word feigned today, do we? But what does unfeigned mean? Well, feigned means fakey, phony. Unfeigned means the opposite. It means genuine. It means sincere. It means without hypocrisy. And we find that Paul describes Lois and Eunice as two sincere women that had an unfeigned faith. That's where Timothy got his faith. Paul didn't say, you know, you got a great business head, Timothy. You must have got that from your mom, or your grandma. No, it it was his faith. He didn't say, you know, Timotheus, you're really athletic. Your athleticism is amazing. No, he wasn't impressed with that. And by the way, there are some parents that are more into their kids being good athletes than being good Christians. That ought not be, folks. Paul said, Timothy has this unfeigned faith. He didn't didn't give kudos on his music skills. There are some parents who are whole hog into that. Well, as long as my kid's a great musician. No, wait a minute. Hold the phone, Joan. Are they a good Christian? Do they have an unfeigned faith? Focus on that. The other stuff doesn't matter. The most important thing is their unfeigned faith. And so they're going to get that from us. Parents, do your kids ever barge into the room and catch you praying? I hope they do. Or catch you reading your Bible? I can only imagine the times that little Timothy barged in the room and and there's Eunice and she had to scroll out and she's studying the Word of God. Do we have a faith, do we have a life that they can follow? You know what Paul said? He said those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me, do and the God of peace shall be with you. Paul's not bragging here, but Paul was following the Lord and he was able to say, you know what, what I'm doing, you should do that. In fact, he put it this way in 1 Corinthians 11. Be ye followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. In other words, you've been watching me, now do what I do. Folks, we should be able to say that as parents. Our lives should be a, 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 a positive lesson. And I'm not saying we're going to be perfect. Let's not go there. Some parents try to have that image. Paul wasn't perfect. I'm not perfect. Only Jesus was perfect. But I will say we ought to be trying to be godly. And I'm not trying to put guilt on anybody here today. None of us are perfect. But our lives should be a positive lesson. And whatever we do, it won't turn out perfect, but we should try to be godly in front of our kids. You know... David, back in the Old Testament, actually David throughout the Bible is mentioned more than any other man in the Bible. Did you know that? 986 times. You would swear he's God's pet. And yet when David's life was coming to a close and he was praying to God, he said this. He that ruleth over men must be just, ruling in the fear of God. Although my house be not so with God, yet he hath made with me an ever." lasting covenant that's heartwarming to me folks i mean this is what we should strive for david said but although my house wasn't that way god still showed mercy and grace so just do your best sincerely that's all i'm saying you know if christ is really the answer to the world's problems and he is our kids ought to know that our kids can forget a lot of things that we say but they won't forget what we do and they won't forget what we live That will be indelibly engraved engraved upon their hearts forever. And Eunice instilled that in Timothy. And what's the result? Well, Paul said to Timothy also, Let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers in word and conversation and charity, spirit, faith, and purity. Now Timothy can turn around and reflect Christ to the world because his mother reflected it to him. There is an old expression that the only gospel some people will ever read is the gospel according to you. I've seen Christians split hairs over the teeniest little doctrine and at the same time, they're not living out the obvious truths of the Bible. These are very obvious truths. Are you the same in church as you are at home? That's a good question. Because that's what your kids see. Are you the same Christian in church as you are on vacation? Well, I'm out of town. I can let my hair down. Really? The kids are watching that. God help us to be consistent all the time. Now Eunice wasn't perfect, but she was sincere. And she raised a godly son to the glory of God. You know, kids are looking for something that's real. They're not going to find it out in this phony world. This world is about as phony as a $3 bill. And I don't know about you, but I've, I've had my belly full of it. But the time you're raising your kids is very short. Would you take it from somebody whose kids are gone now? Next month, my youngest will get married. We will officially be empty nesters. And I'm telling you, I blinked twice and that happened. They were gone. You have a very, very short time to raise your children. Let's, let's be like Eunice. Let's be proactive. And please dedicate yourself with the things that really matter because the devil will try and get you distracted with all that other last day stuff. And it's not doing your kids any good. Raise kids that will honor God in these last days.
1: You've been listening to Pastor Tony Skeving of the Fargo Baptist Church in Fargo, North Dakota. If you would like a CD of today's message, you can obtain one by sending a gift of $2 to Fargo Baptist Church, 3303 23rd Avenue South, Fargo, North Dakota, 58103. That address again, Fargo Baptist Church, 3303 23rd Avenue South, Fargo, North Dakota, 58103. We hope you'll join Pastor Skeving next time right here on Pulpit Power. Pulpit Power is a production of Heaven 88.7.